Hello, I'm John Waters, and I'm supposed to announce there is no smoking in this theater, which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. How can anyone sit through a length of a film, especially a European film, and not have a cigarette? But don't you wish you had one right now? Mm, 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 mm. And I'm telling you, smoke anyway. It gives ushers jobs. And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater. Freaky Deaky Dutch? Freaky yeah, Deaky Dutch. Uh, I think it, I can't remember. I'm blanking out on the exchange. It's uh, Austin Powers and Gold member. Um, mm. I, I don't speak Freaky Deaky Dutch. Oh, um, is it? Is that the Michael Caine line? Uh, I think Dr. Evil says it and he's talking to Fat Bastard. Oh. Um, so I Mike just, Myers talking to Mike Myers. I just remember the Michael Caine line where he's like, uh, there are two things I can't stand, intolerance and the <laughs> Dutch. People who are intolerant <laughs> of other people's cultures. And the Dutch. <laughs> Very good. Really, really, I got to watch this movie with you, with you Cody, because you see something in there that I was not able to see while Seth and I were watching. Well, the thing is, I've seen Goldmember many, many more times than I've seen the first two, which I feel like is not the usual. Like, I kind of mm-hmm. got on the the Austin Powers train um, very late. And I, so to me, Goldmember was, um, and still is, peak comedy brilliance um and i need to be kind of deprogrammed and, and convinced otherwise i'm sure it won't be too hard but yeah all that is to say i would definitely um have an austin powers weekend groovy well, baby yeah no this is uh it, there's nothing that this podcast is for if not deprogramming this is try love you're deprogramming our literal roundtable deprogramming hour um about movies we saw or people we met at the trilon cinema in minneapolis minnesota you can find us on twitter at try love podcast you can find the trilon at trilon cinema and at trilon.org where you can get tickets and showings and other cool goings on going on at the trilon including some cool stuff that we're going to be really happy to share news about um some cool programs that they've got going cool new ways you can support them in the long term uh and get some really cool stuff out of it uh, I, Anybody who listens to this already knows what I'm talking about because it's like six people and they were all at the 60 millimeter showing we were at, but not going to part the kimono way too much more than that. Um, this is an episode. Oh, sorry. I can't say that yet. I, my name is Jason Daphnis. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Nintendo and I really enjoy forgetting. Um, damn it. I did it wrong too. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Nintendo <laughs> I, that, that worked out just fine. I'm Cody Narvison. I'm in the process of going through another one, and you can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. And I'm Harry Mackin, and I'm going to be a wonderful success in all of my undertakings today. <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter at Jataki Harry. There you go. Uh, I was wondering how many of you guys, like how many of your things were going to stomp over mine? Um, because I had like two or three and I was like, oh, this must be the full vein. And we've each of us is going to tap it. But no, I didn't have any of those written down. Very good job. Well, what were your um, backups? Uh, I would have to go back to my notes app for that real quick, which I'm going to do while vamping. Um, they're really, really good ones. They're very, very funny. Uh, this is how I vamp. Uh, my other quotes were, I'm very aware of my appearance. And um, uh, this place is completely normal. Sure. Mm-hmm. Those, were, those two were Tony, very funny. Do you have any backups? Uh, I usually I have at least one backup. Um, I did not for I I, I was uh, uh, flying without uh flying without training wheels. As they say. I I, oh, I yeah. stumbled through that, but yeah, no, I I was hopeful. I mean, there this is such a a quotable movie. There are a it lot really of is. um those types of lines that fit, and so I was like, there's a pretty good chance. Also, lately I've been taking my lines from the first like five to ten minutes of the movie, and I just sort of just to get them out of the way. Do that, sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, well, well assumed. I I had uh, often our true nature is not what we hope it is, which is a haunting line. Um, 
from the the sort of like voodoo guy. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's actually voodoo. Don't cancel me, please. Um, uh, I also had. Um, I like sad songs. They make me want to lay down on the floor, which is a legendary line. Um, that, maybe my I favorite think, scene in the movie, actually. Uh, man, oh, that we're we'll, going to talk yeah, about. We'll that talk scene, about that, uh, and then um, probably at length. Also, uh, I can't exactly, but I think it's like I am of the opinion that I can see Fort Worth from here. <laughs> <laughs> or he's, it's either that, or in my opinion, I can see Fort I Worth. I believe, from here. yeah. Oh, yeah. it's I believe, isn't it? I which think is it's even I better. Believe. Yeah, it's really fantastic. <laughs> really incredibly scripted movie. Um, yeah, and it is. Uh, it is not playing as part of any particular series. As a programming note, this film is playing as part of other programming at the Trilon um, during the Nick Cage series, and you can look for our episode on what was this Nick this week's Nick Cage film. Um, it's it's face off we recorded an episode about that before the uh, COVID 19 pandemic last in-person episode i think with with dan nagan back in my old office uh wild really fun episode um and really crazy to go back and listen to that but we'll be re-upping that in the feed this week so get uh you know get get that in your ears after watching the movie because it was a great discussion but for this time uh today's film is uh, in the absence of aaron grossman and the patented aaron grossman summary i have licensed it under exclusive license from ag enterprises um to repeat and butcher at my own leisure uh it costs an absolute fortune i am destitute it is good that i'm starting a new job because i cannot afford these licensing fees anymore it's good that he's back next week too uh but for right now this is true stories it is a 1986 film directed by david byrne written by david byrne and beth henley and the man himself stephen topolowski did you guys see that he he fucking helped write this movie i had yeah. no idea that he was part of the like, writing team for this movie it is crazy Rules. it's got to be like I don't know, 30% of why this movie's good. Um, and starring David Byrne, uh, John Goodman, Swoozie Kurtz, Spalding Gray, Annie McEnroe, and more. A uh, little bit of an ensemble cast, but um, we'll talk about the main character in a second here. Uh, the synopsis is as follows. Um, with Byrne as guide slash narrator, two stories careens through the vignettes that showcase life and the inhabitants of the fictional town of Virgil, Texas. Not that guy. From a shopping mall fashion show to the semi- semiconductor factory floor in the lead up to the town's sesquicentennial celebration. Uh, if there's a main character, it is Louis Fine, played by John Goodman, whose search for love and matrimony lead him to hit the dance floor every weekend, take out TV ads about his love, and write, excuse me, pop country songs about it as well. Uh, idiosyncratic and wandering. True Stories is dotted with oddball characters, oblique scenes, and original musical numbers, all loosely connected by the ce- celebration of specialness. Uh, an event sponsored by the town's biggest employer, where the citizens of Virgil get to show the case the best and brightest of their community for local posterity. True Stories, the film, was not much of a success at the time of its release, either critically or commercially, though I believe Roger Ebert did get a, bit, a good score. Uh, but it's gone on to achieve cult status in film and among Burns' body of work with Talking Heads. The uh, accompanying album, True Stories, comprising full produced versions of the songs featured in the film and recorded by Talking Heads, peaked at number 17 on the Billboard Top 200 and has gone, excuse me, and has gone on to be, become certified gold in the U.S., and the UK and platinum in Australia. Uh, I already mentioned the programming note, so go back to the feed uh, for our actual uh, on-schedule Nick Cage episode. But for right now, we need to talk about true stories. Um, I'm not sure exactly where to start with this movie. It's a little wild and strange in shape and and flow. Yeah. Uh, how lucky are we, or I guess I should say, how lucky am I that my favorite band, I can say this is not the best Talking Heads movie. <laughs> Wow. A lot of bands do not have uh, movies. Um, This band has enough movies that there's one that is better than this one. Um, (laughs) And this movie is good. I like it a lot. Um, I hadn't seen it in a really long time. Um, It's kind of barely a movie in some ways. Uh, Don't you think? It's like 
it's a lot of music videos and it's a lot of David Byrne being extremely idiosyncratic and yeah. um, funny. And I, I feel like it, um, I'm really interested to hear what you guys think of it because for me, it is such a great sort of like log line in conversation with David Byrne's larger works, especially with Talking Heads, that I'm not totally sure how much I would get out of this movie if I didn't have that background. Um, I'm a I'm a really big Talking Heads fan. Um, and for me, the knowledge that I have of of David Byrne's body of work, it, it makes this movie make a lot more sense to me um, yeah. in, in a lot of ways, just because like it's so many of the themes and sort of like um, artistic obsessions and um, beliefs that he is trying to communicate via a lot of his work um, really are communicated here, um, but not in the most sort of like, uh, I guess, straightforward way, like you said. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I feel like, um, so the first time I watched this movie was a year or two ago, probably more like two, two and a half years ago, and I just watched it at home, and I feel like since then I've listened to a lot more Talking Heads, and I've sort of learned more about David Byrne, the person, both like the uh, idiosyncrasies, the really charming, like his obsession with PowerPoints makes a lot more sense uh, once you get to know a little bit about him, um, and his music makes a little bit more sense once you know that he's obsessed with the PowerPoints. Uh, so just a very like interesting person, and some of the like really domineering, controlling attitudes that he had, I guess, toward Talking Heads as a band, if you ask the other band members, I yeah. suppose. Um, so there's a little, I mean, I guess both shades of the man, of the character show up in this movie, uh, but I feel like I did understand a whole lot of his like I try generally just because I like to simplify what I don't understand to try and split movies like this into like what is being said about these things and what is the pattern that emerges about these various vignettes yeah. when they're seemingly disconnected. And I, you can't quite do that until I would say maybe the second watch of this movie. Cause I feel like sure. I'm starting to be able to do it. But, um, then I, then I read through, I watched the criterion edition this time, uh, which Cody, I promise I will lend it to, I forgot to already, but it is like, I promise you should, you should get this like this is one of the criterions I think people should own. The Blu-ray edition has this like really neat newly bespoke written like uh, newspaper with just all sorts of essays from Spalding Gray, some written by uh, David Byrne, some written by contributors to. Oh, I'm Criterion. buying that right now. It is like, wildly good. It is very, and it includes the um the like movie soundtrack as well, not the album like recorded version, but the movie soundtrack. Sure. It's really incredible. Uh, but in that. I didn't get time to read it through every essay, but in part of David Burns, they're just like little asides where he talks about like the twins that they see in the mall. Of and he's course, like, I used yeah. to go to school with their mom and stuff. And it's like, twins are like a confusion of identity for us because we are used to like recognizing differences between individuals. And when we don't, we don't know how to perceive that person. And I'm like, well, if that's where his brain goes when he sees twins, I have no idea where his brain goes when he imagines like a semiconductor processing plant in an unknown, yes. like in a fictional Texas town. So it's, there's that abstraction of, from like what he is trying to show me and what, like where that thought came from. There are like so many way, like circuits that his mind must've followed to get to what he's going to present yes. versus what he was trying to get me to see, which is fascinating because I'm sure we'll come up with like nine different readings of the movie. Yeah. Uh, but mine is like, I still, I tried to simplify and it like is primarily for me like that uh, division as a whole lot of talking head stuff, especially the earlier stuff is division between like capital and the progress of society and the baseness of human emotion, like the genuineness of human emotion that can or cannot come through that stuff. For me, that's where like, if I was do to like apply dialectics to this, that's where the split. No, happens. yeah, that's, that's, that's where that's like these well things fall into one camp or the other. Mm hmm. 
Yeah, I so I have no I guess my inroad to this movie and to David Byrne and Talking Heads is a little bit different. Um I, I saw True Stories one other time uh earlier during like COVID times. Uh, and I saw Stop Making Sense for the first time. I, I think around that that same time. I, I probably saw those within maybe a handful of months of each other. Um I'll audit my letterboxed uh feed later to to know for sure. Um because I'm sure I it was it was in the era of letterboxed. But um uh, so and uh, like the music, especially you know, watching stop making sense and, and hearing Talking Heads songs. Since uh, I'm just like, wow, these are these songs have been everywhere, and I just did not have names and faces and like band names to attach those to. And so some of that started to fall into place. And I think the like once I landed upon this characterization, like a lot of not that this movie didn't um, didn't make sense um, or that it ever stopped making sense. Um, not that this movie was ever sort of lost on me, but um, like I one of one of my favorite movies, probably my favorite movie ever, um, just for like a lot of different reasons. Um, and perhaps because it's the movie I've seen the most in my lifetime is Wayne's World, which is. Um, a like a, a semi like mockumentary esque um, look at this um, you know the, this uh, <laughs> feels weird calling Mike Miles charismatic but Wayne Campbell who's a very charismatic character brought through um, the suburbs of Chicago and we bop around to some other places in the Midwest and um, like looking at true stories which is also this sort of love letter to um, undervalued like times and spaces and places and people um, and like capturing those sequences, uh, you know, the, the goings on of these, these specific, you know, offbeat sort of characters and then realizing like, Oh, I've seen shades of these people. I mean, I've literally seen these people everywhere. Um, and it's just, you know, we are, we are in this, this fictional town and that as a sort of playing field, um, as a sort of sandbox to like, see these different extreme, uh, you know, it made extremes, uh, like circumstances play out and just like, Oh, like I, but the, like these, these bits and pieces are not made up. It's just the whole that is made out of these bits and pieces, um, forms Virgil, Texas. And it's, you know, that's a, hey, it's pretty quirky. And, um, the, the final notes of the movie, movie sort of, um, you know, David Byrne kind of musing of just, you know, there's virtue and uh, like uh, blessing in forgetting because you get used to the sort of things that make people like this and places like this special. And that just seems like a nice sort of part of a grander thesis about like why, I don't know why we do pre <laughs> why we do anything or meet anybody or go any place. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, uh, yeah, I don't know, like uh, true. St- I mean, I, I'll definitely pick up the um, the criterion of, of true stories as well, um, because I assume it's in high definition. I don't think you can rent this movie in high definition. Um, I, I rented Ooh. it and it was standard def, which was charming in its own way. Sure. Um, just like a, a 1986. There's some really great shots in this movie, though, that really, I would yeah, really like to see in high definition. If I can yeah, help with Cody's, with Cody's audit a little bit, you watched Stop Making Sense on August 2nd of 2020, and then you watched... Uh, uh, this film talking or excuse me true stories on august 8th 2020 so you are correct it was within a week of one another that is that has to have been an interesting experience i mean athlete or not uh i shot my shot you shot your shot young man uh if you haven't seen stop making sense dear listener by the way it's the best concert or uh movie ever made it's and this and this is in a this is in a world where the last waltz exists which i do not say lightly is very close to being the best yeah anyway uh yeah no i i really like both of how you characterize that i think that like if they're in i almost don't want to talk about the sort of like high level theme of this movie because i think it feels like 
it's it's so obvious to me that it gets a little trite, right? And like we don't need to dwell on that. But like that forgetting speech really is a, a really brilliant characterization of both the what the movie is doing and like really like it's amazing insight into the utterly unique mind of David Byrne in a way that I really like. But that is to say, like, I really like the way Cody, you characterized it. Like, basically, this movie is about sort of like David Byrne wants to show you back to you, right? Like, he wants to hold the mirror up to American society so you can be like, wow, that really is weird. And it, it we're very, we're a bunch of very strange people living in very strange times. And modernity has affected us all in these very profound ways that we can't even really begin to unpack and that we are um, astonished by, right? Um, and now that you've sort of forgotten or now that you've gotten used to it, we have to do things like watch these movies that hold a mirror back up to it so that we can be reacquainted with the deep and profound strangeness of who we are. And right. that to David Byrne's mind, right, as established by the final song, like there is something very beautiful and something very sort of like redemptive about the fact that we are as weird as we are good or bad or just strange. Like there is a, there is a uniqueness to that, that, that is deeply profound that he is continually mm -hmm. astonished by. Um, like he said, right? Like it starts out, he sees the details and everything uh, yeah. and overwhelming and then he gets used to it. That's, that was my, I guess that's my big, like, um, like, pie in the sky view of this movie i think that it's actually like the particulars in this movie are much more interesting than i just characterize them i feel I, I i agree too i feel like the medium is very like a strong um carrier of the message in this yes. case i do want to zoom in on like I, I like how you characterize it as him showing you back to yourself because there's a moment early on in this movie um where he talks He's showing is it Vericorp, I think, is the local corporation that's like the biggest employer in town kind of thing. They're sponsoring the sesquicentennial, all that. Um, and there's literally just a shot of like a prairie and then this dull gray, like not lifeless, but just very plain looking office building in the back. That's like, this is Vericorp. This is where, you know, whatever. and he says, what even goes on in there? Yeah. And I, I mean, growing up in the Midwest and, you know, bits of the South, that is a very, very, very common and evocative dude scene, right? Like, yes. and, I mean, y'all too must have seen this over the course of like growing up on the highway. You just think, what in the hell? Like, where? what is that place? And then it turns out like they manufacture like pumps or steel rods or something. And it's like a pretty basic normal but, thing. But you, but there's just this poss infinite possibility space that's that – that yeah. childishness that you're characterizing so well is like, that is one of the things that's always appealed to me most about David Byrne uh, and talking heads in general is that like, I remember being a kid and, and particularly like probably a kid with a pretty profound anxiety disorder, frankly, but like, uh, and the, my imagination was not, it was not something that I enjoyed, right? Like hmm. it was, it was often something that felt, utterly overwhelming to me in a way that was like deeply tough to deal with. Right. Because my emotions were so tied up in these intangibles that I could neither explain nor control that I would be really like set off by things in ways that I wasn't familiar with. And so like, even just in my normal surroundings, right. Like even just in my hometown, even in something that's, that was utterly mundane, especially as a child, like I was constantly sort of like, teetering through some some really like extreme emotions and mm -hmm. i feel like david byrne never got over that you know what i mean like right, i'm right. i am always moved by how like really pr 
profoundly hampered he seems to be by his own powers of observation and imagination. Yeah, um, it, like it, it gets in the way of being like, and I say this without yeah. judgment, like, yeah, like a functioning adult, you know, like right. to see, again, to see twins and think this is an abstraction of identity rather than haha twins, you know? And I mean, like, he's, a, he's a profoundly autistic person. Uh, David Byrne is. So like, obviously I'm not talking about the same thing as he's talking about there, but that, that ability to understand himself and to be astonished by himself and to, to therefore sort of project that astonishment, which is really the best word I can think of because it's, it's, it's weird, right? Like he is constantly like pointing at things and just in almost non sequitur ways and being like, look at how weird this is. And like, think about how, profoundly strange it is that we find ourselves here um and and he can he can deliver that outward to the rest of the world as well right we're like and that's that's the the thing that makes the tone of this movie so strange and so interesting is that it feels like satire and it is pointedly satirical but it's not mocking or it's not right um it's not condescending at all but it's not not that either right like it's not it calling it a love letter is right because it is, but it's a it's a weird love letter. Because it's a it's a love letter to weirdness, like very particularly, right? It's a it's a love letter to David Byrne thinking about how like when you stop and and like re-examine your life from sort of an objective view or even just from an alternative point of view, like it all sort of falls apart, right? Everything falls apart. It's scientific. That's one of the lines in Wild Wild Life, right? It's um yeah, and and like I think that this this movie does a really good job of like demonstrating that thought process back to us. Totally, and I I couldn't help but think about um like Christopher Guest uh like sort of his totally. best like like mockumentary esque movies. Um, I promise I'll stop saying mockumentary. It's just easy. That's what um, that's what like, this is though. It's, that's what it feels like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Um, but like those movies, and I like uh those i like his movies a whole bunch um but part of the part of the bit is like you know um honing in on i mean like true stories uh, true stories does honing in on a particular like cross section of people a specific interest region whatever the case might be um like in uh, i'm in like wait waiting for government it's like another sort of small town type setup like almost verbatim um if my memory's correct but uh but then highlighting the eccentricities of those people in those places and then like using those to form like laugh out loud more like visceral extreme reactions from the viewer in a way that's almost punching down which like and like you usually that i mean it's quote unquote fine like i I, like it's still it's very funny it's very effective um sometimes um you know i i I don't know your mileage may vary but sometimes it kind of it can kind of feel sort of mean but i know like david Byrne, it, it doesn't feel like he's being mean like he's right he's he like true stories is like where instead of using honing in on the eccentricities to be humorous and like true stories is still like a, a very humorous like 89 minutes or however long it is it's not viscerally laugh out loud sure. but like we're we're we're, we're observing like the the wide scope of of um like john goodman's character's humanity and like we're like he he as a character is allowed to like just like yeah i am panda bear shaped and yeah i like who i am and that's like not like that's not twisted into some sort of 
punchline. Um, if anything, the punchline is like he does find happiness. Um, like he and, and this other sort of um, weird, uh, weird sort of scenario kind of character, like they come mm-hmm. together and like that is almost the the punchline, which is very, um, I don't know, wholesome in comparison. Yeah. I, I think that the way you characterize that is very, very like good and apt because the meanness, I think that David Byrne as director in this case realizes that making some of these interactions mean, which they could, they could like make, make people seem a little mm-hmm. more pitiful after like a punchline. They could like punch down at them a little harder. They could ob- make it more obviously like you're supposed to laugh at this person kind of thing. And they, they, there's a certain restraint for all as weird and eccentric as this film is. There's a little bit of restraint there. I think he realizes that to remove the humanity from those things, to punch down, to be mean, uh, would be to like remove our connection from them, from like the, the inherent human experience that he's trying to connect with us on. Like Harry said, like he's trying to show yourself, show you to yourself. And if he makes it mean, then it's like, oh, I've separated myself a little bit from the person that I'm sure. on screen because I'm supposed to laugh at them, not like recognize some element of, you know love and connection and the need for like you know and, and the difficulty of that in the modern age those broader yeah. like mo- way more vanilla ideas that we probably shouldn't dwell on uh, sure. and i think i'm understanding now harry why you're talking about like starting with the particulars because it is a way more interesting way to like uh what is it it's inductive and deductive reasoning yeah. to induce like that reading from the I- right. individual pieces well and, and because like not not only in like maybe this is harsh i don't i don't mean it to be harsh but like i, I because i think that like in some ways, and maybe to David Byrne himself, I think some of the the particular larger points that he wants to make in this movie are are elusive, right? Like, I I don't think that there is a very good sort of like anti corporate, like filled out political ideology behind right. this movie, right? Like, I think that David Byrne is saying a lot of things. He has a lot of ideas about like what modernity has done to society, the way that humans have become alienated and isolated from themselves there's that great speech that the um the veracorp guy gives about how like there's no concept of weekends anymore everybody just is their jobs like he is he is gesturing at all of those things but like a lot like some of talking heads music itself which i don't i shouldn't say because like there are some very very great political songs that talking heads did but like you kind of get the sense that David Byrne is not that interested in coming down on a political ideological line to the point where in this, in my opinion, this movie can be a little bit more vague than I wish it was sometimes. But I think that that is sort of the idea. You know what I mean? Like, I think that like David Byrne is really trying to leverage that astonishment um, and that lack of a conclusion, right? Like he starts out so hard in this movie about the history of the United States and about the history of corporations and what corporations are doing to small towns and what it's like to live in a small town as a person and how sort of like consumerism and capitalism have come to define the social and ethical mores of like family life and, and people structures, right? Like there's that whole scene about how like, oh, the mall is the town square now and shopping or how people relate to each other. All of that happens. But like, there's not really a sense in my mind that like those are bad things. They're just sort right. of facts, you know, like it really feels more like he is just stating something that is true rather than commenting on it. And as much as like, a, you know, not as smart as David Byrne person, but more politically sort of firebrand person as myself would, would like him to go somewhere with that. Right. Would like to be like, Oh, like we're, we're, we're 
we're going to make the like purpose of music more sort of like openly political ideological as sort of like a means of fighting back against alienation. That's not really what he's doing. And I don't think it's really his fault or the movie's problem that he's not doing that. But it does create that strangeness, right? Where it's like, I think that like those themes that we've been gesturing at are only gestured at, which is why we can't really dwell on them, in my opinion. Maybe you guys see something I don't, but I just like, I can't, I can't come to a like really hard conclusion about what David Byrne is saying about like quote unquote society and culture mm-hmm. here, right? Other than that, it's like, it's weird and it shaped us in some really profoundly strange ways that are very fascinating. And that, that fascinating stuff is, is like worth thinking about. Yeah. I think that's really well said. I, I agree with that um, pretty well. And not to just fall into this pattern of like, let's say what this movie isn't. And by like deducing that we'll know what this right. movie is. Um, but, uh, but having said that, like, like that's kind of the direction I'll go. But the the two things, um, are, I guess you could consider them subplots, kind of, um, as it's been said, like this. It, it, not that aimless is sort of the wrong word, but it, it's um, it's kind of like a Seinfeldian movie in that it's not like a movie about much. Not to say that it's about nothing, but it's not. You know, it, it doesn't lean on the sort of sentiments and um, uh, like firebrandiness. I think, as as you Harry said, that um, that we might expect. Um, but like the two sort of subplots I, I got thinking about, um, one was the lying woman, which like thinking about again, like different alternate versions of this movie, like she pops up, she interacts with, um, the main ho like the, the primary and sort of secondary tiers of, of recurring characters that we see pop up, uh, in town and, you know, um, if if this movie had want like had wanted to you know explode uh, upon this woman and like really call her out and be like hey, what you're saying isn't true um you know and like give her some sort of comment comeuppance like the movie could have done that but i think I, I, by this point and i think the um that church sequence help showed this where they they sort of let her have the floor everybody is is used to this type of person and there's nothing there's nothing she's not hurting anybody um it's something that Man, for that, whatever reason yeah it, is, like it, it, it makes it, an it, scene it's yeah, it, like you said yeah, yeah. i think that's the biggest scene i think of when i think of like you when you said it at first like you've seen people like this everywhere you know what i mean yes it's like right. i've had so many interactions like this where like somebody in a public place will just say some like wild out of pocket shit that is like clearly not true and nobody has like the capacity or desire to unpack it. And so everybody's just Mm -hmm. like, all right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and just like, clearly they're doing it for a reason. Like clearly the line woman has some sort of deep seated something or others that prompted them to be this person. You don't just like become this person out of nowhere. And so like, instead of taking the edgy route and like making it combative us versus her situations, just like, no, she's like a pillar of this town and she's our strange lying acquaintance. And that's just the way it is. She goes to this weird church and that's life. Like she's not even the weirdest person in Virgil, I think is like the message that we keep getting is like, whoever is the weirdest person you're seeing on screen right now, we're going to like, remember how weird that person was, or we're about to show you somebody who is, I I think, I think I'm getting your point about that. uh, Well, and and that's, that's really well characterized too, because like it comes back and I hate to, I hate to like um, lean too hard on sort of like trying to parse this out politically, but like there is a really interesting complicating matter that this movie is doing where 
um, it sort of reminds me of like, uh, do you guys, this is a weird aside, but like that trailer for that BJ Novak movie about true crime podcasts or whatever. Um, at one point, I, it doesn't look like a very good movie, but like um, at one point, one of the characters says like the problem with conspiracy theories isn't that people are dumb. It's that they're smart. And I really, really like that line because it's like, and, and to me, that's kind of like what a lot of the, um, this movie is doing is that like, these are actually all very, very intelligent people with rich interior lives with creativity and imagination and they want things right. And, and that is what is creating so much of the strangeness here and the tension is that these people are like, um, on some level, they know they've been deprived of something or they think they want something more or they, mm. they are capable of more, right? Um, and that is in and of itself not necessarily what I mean or what's interesting about it because like there is a really like Bruce Springsteen sort of like avenue you could go down where it's like, oh, like like the, these are people who have suffered under capitalism and, and who are now alienated from who they're really supposed to be because they're forced to work in this world. That's not what David Byrne is doing in this movie. Yeah. Instead, he's saying something way weirder, which is that like maybe that was true at some point, but like we are living in a postmodern world in which these people have legitimately been reshaped by this environment. Mm -hmm. So like you get the sense that like, or at least I did, like we're not – like it is supposed to be kind of funny and jarring listening to John Goodman talk about like his job and talk about love and how he's a natural man, but like he's not wrong, right? Like I don't think that like there is no condescension in the sense that in this movie they're saying like, oh, these people believe they're happy, but they're not because they don't know anything other than capitalism. Instead, it's like what happiness is is different now than what it used yeah. to be. I think I think that's mostly the um, scene at the is it the Culver's Spalding Gray's character and his family uh, where he's explaining like the concept of weekends and like how right. we need to keep people in Virgil. Like, I think that's exactly like, that is the map. That's the blueprint for, for the like reading you you're, you're making. Right. There. It's, and it's, it's a really strong scene. It's an interesting, it's such an interesting reading because it's like, it is sort of like, it is, it is not like, it's not anti-communist in the sense that like, it's um like right wing or whatever, but it, it is sort of like, it is a refutation of the sort of like traditional leftist notion of like like small towns, right? Because like the the traditional one would be like, oh, like these are people who want to be doing something else and have been sort of like disenfranchised by capitalism and are now alienated from their true selves. Whereas David Byrne seems to be saying something that like is really astute, I think, which is that like, no, actually it's just that our true selves are weirder than we thought they were right, and the right. narrative is more complicated because of things like that you know and 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 that they've adapted to yes. what has you know sort of alienated yeah. them that they're not alien like the the norm of alienation is no more like right like it is it has changed completely. it's a post-alienation world right it's like there yeah. maybe was a time when when modern living like alienated us but now we've become different sorts of people it feels exactly like, and i think Oh, yeah. I didn't want to cut you off, but like no, it's, it's making me think of the beginning of the movie where they're going back through like the history of Texas right. and sort of the internecine battling and then the settling and then the normalizing and then the like industry and then how everything just every person just becomes instrumental to holding that up. And that, too, is like 
very matter of factly, he talks about all the different tribes that fought among amongst one another and fought the Spaniards and fought the Americans and, and all, you know, just like basically a history lesson in a minute 45. Um, but there's no, there's not a whole lot of like stake in the ground judgment of this was bad. Right. This was like the wrong step. This was the deviation point where Virgil was born from. It's just like, this is what's happened to America. This is like the sort of people that it has created. This is the sort of like signposts along the way. Um, there's no use in sort of like bemoaning what has changed, not to say that he's like trying to provide revisionist history about why, you know, the colonialism was good or anything, but he's not, but he's, what he's saying is like, there's no use uh, dwelling on what was bad about the past. If mm -hmm. we have to deal with what is no the time to look back. Exactly. Exactly. No time to look back. Yeah. Like it's a literal sort of acceptance of this is the lay of the land or like this was the lay of the land at this point, And this is the lay of the land right now. And this is what it will be going forward. Um, uh, thinking specifically the other scene that I, that I got thinking about um, over the last, you, uh, the most recent stretch here was um, uh, it was the narrator. And, and was it Culver that he was walking with through like the, the part where the they're like, building more houses? Yeah. Yeah. That was with yeah. Culver. Yeah. Yep. And so, and it's like, they're talking about, you know, all, you know, all it, like all it takes to, to build a town and, you know, uh, like, I don't think they use these words, but like turn a town into a city. It's just like, you keep building houses, you expand the borders and just like, that's, I mean, that is like, that's the business right now. And in, in sort of the same breath, like they're, you know, talk and shop about that and then you have these you know the the next generation this group of children just like kind of plodding through this um you know, this this area that's undergoing serious construction and you know they they're I, I don't want to say they're none the wiser i think there is again it's this sort of motif this this umbrella feeling of just like we're all accepting like you guys have been talking about we're accepting this new sort of normal we're being brought together in unusual ways it's 1986 and this is just sort of what the next stage is um and we're and like clearly something is in development here and, and until it gets you know made into a, a gated neighborhood that we're not going to be able to access we're just going to walk through here play with our they're like what like banging garbage together and making mm -hmm. music like right. there's something like humbly beautiful about that um i, I i've been thinking about that scene a lot yeah i am I'm really particularly energized and I have one last, like, no, please. It, 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 it hit me like a lightning bolt while you two were talking. Even the fucking joke that Culver makes when he gets up at the sesquicentennial about how God paused making Texas. It was too hard when he came back. Yep. He's like, instead of shaping it, I will just make, make people, people who enjoy it here. Like, yeah, dude. Oh my God. Even that sings with this reading. I yeah. fucking love that. Well, in, in like, it's, it's so interesting and so weird that like how pointed that non-judgment is. I mean, like he sneaks them in there a little bit in sort of a classic uh, way where like at one point David Byrne, like the narrator is like, somebody said that uh, highways are the cathedrals of, of the modern age. It wasn't me. Uh, like there's a really good line <laughs> to that effect. And there are a couple of little points like that, but it really is wild how like it would be so easy for this to be like a Banksy movie. You know what I mean? Like a really, really over the top satirization of yeah. like what corporatism and what capitalism have done to America and Americans. Um, and like, it's almost, there are points in this where I find this movie very disturbing, right? Like, I think that like, it gets scary sometimes. Like I can't, I I'm haunted by that one line where he says like, Oh, 
Um, things that never used to have names are easily described now. It makes conversations so easy. Like there are all sorts of like little nuggets in there that are just like, that's a fucking terrifying thing to say, David Byrne. Um, and I really think that like, at least, and maybe this is me reading too much into my own sort of like, but like anxiety and fear and fear of like the self and fear of like what you don't know about yourself is so prevalent throughout Talking Heads music. Um, like fear of music, the the album is basically just a bunch of like things that scare the shit out of David Byrne, and <laughs> their their names like air and animals and rock music, right? <laughs> like and and like you get the sense that like he's not joking. Like he, I think David Byrne is a dude who is terrified of himself, and he's kind of terrified of Americans, right? Like. He didn't write I'm Afraid of Americans. No, I was going to say that's Bowie. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, Good one. Um, But uh, like, he is a guy that wrote Heaven, which is where he said that heaven is a place where nothing ever happens, (laughs) right? Like, I think that like, he is a person who is overwhelmed by events just because of the implication and the richness of implication there. And I think that like, I think that this movie does a really good job of showing that like, when you stop and start thinking about like, why is it that we work this way, right? That that we feel this way about this town and that we go to the mall this way and that we go on highways like this and that we communicate with each other this way. Like it's it's so much more than a disconnect or an alienation and it's more than an adaptation. It's just sort of like he does such a great job of illustrating how like the truth, the fact of human consciousness is at such odds with the truth of existence. You know what I mean? It's like we are constantly like in this place where like to be a person and to observe and uh, like judge is to be at odds with like things in a way that makes being alive feel very profoundly strange so often. Um, And I, I think that like, I think that there's something really fascinating in a way that is almost, it's kind of difficult to describe, right? But like, I think that's a big part of what this movie is doing on top of what it's sort of concluding about those things. Yeah. And the fact that he is there sort of not, not prescribing, but more like explaining, I mean, like, like, like a... I don't know, like Dante uh, in Dante's Inferno. Like he's just, much, there, yeah. he's just there translating what's there for you because it's like, oh, this is you know a mirror for, but maybe you're just not seeing the Dude, right thing. Maybe you're seeing a sort of Texas. That I'm, blowing, oh I'm you're blowing my mind right now. I am, I am blowing my own mind, Harry. Um, but like it makes like the whole idea of this post alienation society, this like world where people have normalized these things that are even to us a bit foreign. Like, I think that sets the stage really well for the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is Lewis Fine and his relate because he's like he's like the 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 lens for like what human love looks like, what like the pursuit of connection of emotional connection looks like. Um, and like whether or not that's part of the larger theme isn't really what I'm getting at. I'm, I mean, like when Harry mentioned particulars, I think this is a particular like uh, where he's pointing us toward industry and he's pointing us toward capitalism and he's pointing us toward, uh, you know, transit and all these other different things that just scratch his interests i'm saying david burns um this is like he's decided to make the one about the guy who just really wants to get married he decided to make that basically the main story if there's a main story it's lewis fine um and i was really like thoroughly charmed and it, it helps that john goodman is the main character but it just thoroughly charmed by that whole relationship like his whole uh his whole pursuit his, where his story goes and ends up there's that scene with uh i think the the actress's name is 
Alex Elias. I've just credited as cute woman um, in that really colorful room. Anyway, I, I just wanted to like, for sure. I just wanted to like pen, like pop that bubble and get us talking about Lewis Fine's yeah. Fine a little bit because he is a huge part of this movie and I think one of the best parts. I'm inclined to uh, agree with you. Shout out to John Goodman. Um, Man, come on the pod. Hey, John Goodman is yes. so fucking good. You guys, he's like yeah. weird. He's not. It's weird to call him underrated because like everybody loves John Goodman and he's an amazing actor. But like he should be more highly rated. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely on my short list. Well, long list of like people. If they ever, I, I'm. This may have been literally my review the first time I watched this movie. But like, if John Goodman ever dies, I'm going to be extremely not okay. <laughs> um, for obvious reasons, um, because he rules. But yeah, I mean, he's in this sort of in, I guess, the points that have been brought up um, and and refined and defined up to this point in this sort of new, um, this new version of society, this new reality where like people are like, like finding each other in strange ways. There's this, like the pieces don't, like they they don't seem like they fit together but like here but here we are in virgil texas and everything is just sort of like it's running in its own right. sort of um in its own and like it in its very the strange version um that it is and he and lewis fine is somebody who like he in, in very like he's seems pretty well like um like he, he has achieved some semblance of self-actualization he is all about himself he accepts you know the way that god made him um more or less his words and like the only thing missing is like a connection with another person um it's it's not like anything you know he's not he he's not bogged down with like oh i'm not great in social situations i'm not like um, you know, I, I don't like how I look. I don't like how my body is. I don't like this panda bear shape. Um, it, it's like his insane. focus is, Her, yeah, his, his, we, it, it must be. Sad. Yeah. It was fine. That dude, he fucking rocks this. He's an yeah. absolute King. Like he, he writes great songs. He loves his job. He's kind to everybody. He just like, he's totally confident. He's totally cool. He dresses great. I mean, mm-hmm. man, what a, what a guy. Sorry. Go up, yeah. please. No, no, that's okay. Yeah, I mean, it was all just building up to like his focus is outward. Like he, like he has all these great um, components of himself. He knows that there are great components. It's all about just like finding somebody else who sees him in the same way that he sees himself, and he he chalks it up to at least once, maybe a couple times, about like just like man, there's there's too much competition out there. There's too much like maybe it gets back to to David Byrne's own like anxieties of just like there are there there are too many people. There's too much stimuli. There's too much to react to. And everybody's too weird, right? Like we see all of those dates yeah. that, that he goes on and it's like, it's it's very classic sort of talking heads, very classic true stories that it's like the reason why those dates go bad is not really anybody's fault. It's just that these are two people who are so profoundly different from one another that they have no common means of communication, right? Like, like he sings that song that means so much to him to the cute lady and the cute lady is just like, it's so sad. Like oh, I couldn't man. be that sad all the time. And, and, she, and she like, she's distracted by her concept of negativity. She's like, Oh man, it's so sad. I couldn't stand that negativity in my life. And that to me was like, that's a, that's a warning bell. Like it's a sad song. Yes. But usually you can compartmentalize sad songs as like an expression of a feeling, not the presence of a negative force. And she, she can't, you know? Also, it's like, it's not, really that sad a song it's very uplifting um, also he sang a half completed version yes. where like papa i haven't written but, this verse yet anyway yeah, yeah. but that's the point right is that like it's 
it it is it's I love that that Lewis is so self-actualized because we can see that it's like it's not a him problem necessarily, right? It like right. really is David Byrne's reading of society is just that like we have arrived at this place where there are so many things happening so quickly all at once and everywhere, right? That like all of these people end up so different from each other that we don't have anything in common with each other anymore. And it's mm-hmm. super hard to um, like connect, right? Because like even in a small town like Virgil, Texas is chock full of these people that like, how the hell did somebody like this happen, right? <laughs> I think that's like what this, and not not in a condescending way or a mean way, but just in a very matter of fact way. It's like, how did a David Byrne come into existence, right? Like how did we end up with a person like that? Or like, you know, or like Lewis or like any of the characters that we see. It's just like, it seems like there is such a massive disconnect between what should be or what you would think might be between what's normal, quite right, and what's true. Uh, that like that it, it's very difficult to sort of like navigate. And I really love that like there's just this very simple like statement of that, right? Um, there's another really great scene where like all of the people in the um, microprocessor plant are talking about love uh, while they're putting together the machinery. And like I think that's another really good example, right? It's just that like man, it's there's such a wild like disconnect between environment and person and history, right? It's, it's something. Yeah, no hard agree. I'm sorry. I was late to the oh, no, not at all. on that. Um, we've gotten through a lot of the particulars. We've gotten through a lot of the strong stuff. Were there any other points you guys wanted to bring up any like larger, uh, like talking points we want to get to before the end of our show? I don't mean to cut us off no. earlier or if this is early, but like we really, I had this like jumble, this the, a, a lot of these Lego pieces of a reading idea, and I feel like we've just been like constructing castles as we yeah. go. No, for sure. I, I mean, the the only other um, thing that's that um, like we haven't touched on that definitely sprung to mind during my rewatch, um, and like a lot of our points so far have been construct like we're these like readings and, and theses have been like very people centric and, and leaning on like the characters of that we come across in this movie, which is very apt and, um, and correct. The, there was a thought that occurred to me in like, it goes back to the whole love letter thing of like the people are, are like what brought us here and like they're who we're often watching, but even when we're not actively engrossed in, like specific goings on of people or their circumstances, the sort of things that classically would drive a narrative again, classically um, like true stories is not necessarily a classically put together. movie. Mm-hmm. Like it, it sometimes feels like it, it's enough for us just to be here um, specific. Like when the camera was set up, we were like, it was um, a, a shot or a couple shots of like kind of, I think sped up footage if I'm remembering correctly of like the stage being set up for the talent show, the next right. or, like that evening or the next day. And just like, sitting here watching that and I get um, you know, for better and for worse, I get hung up on like um, pacing of um, uh, movies and certain television shows um, and just like the, the structure of them. And like this movie is again, like it's, it's just out of um, Rashomani range. I, I believe it's 89 minutes, yep. um, but, but still like, Hey, like super concise. I, I remember while watching, like I, I, I was being reminded of all these scenes that were taking place and before i knew it we were at the talent show i was like holy shit what 20 minutes left jesus this has been flying by like this this trip to to virgil texas was way too short but um the fact that they're they're 
we were afforded um, a beat or, you know, scattered beats of, I mean, the musical numbers for one thing, I guess are sort of um, another piece of that, but just like literally like we were watching other people who we do not know their names or their purpose other than they're putting together um, a stage. And like, maybe there's something there that we could read more deeply into if we wanted to, if we wanted to be head assy about it, which I know we all love doing, but I don't know. That just struck me. Um, It it was a really fleeting thing, but um, well, and and oftentimes, they're literal non sequiturs, right? Like there's that mm-hmm. scene of the couple discussing how, oh, is this what it feels like to be in love? It, I think people think I'm losing my mind. And then she says like, well, if that's if that's what being sane is, I don't want to be sane. And then she says, did you fart? And that's how that, uh, thank you, Jason. That's how that, that vignette ends, right? Like, and this movie is chock full of those things. And like, yeah. I, I feel like just discussing the movie maybe doesn't like bring home that point that like, this is full of these sort of like hanging um, Mm -hmm. like idiosyncrasies. And uh, like, there's a lot, there's, it's a tension filled movie, right? Not in like the dramatic sense, but sort of in the sense that like, there's a lot of pieces here that are pretty like sharp and edgy that don't quite like make a lot of sense um, in a, in a good way. Right. Like, and I, yeah, I think that that's, um, that's like, formally like you had said jason that is a big part of what um what what it's all about you know yeah yeah i uh the one i always think about is i'm not sure if it's part of the construction of the stage or if it's just like a guy in his house but sort of like dancing in blue light at night yeah that seems so good dude it is very good but like correct me if i'm wrong it's disconnected from everything everything else in the movie right okay Mm -hmm. just making sure that it's another one of those weird non sequiturs that's like okay another little window into what the lives of these people are like and how you can't generalize again you know these people at virgil texas however many people are there you can't generalize to like everybody's like this because every single person like i said earlier you like you meet a strange person and then you realize that person's strangeness is tied to their individuality right uh, as they've been estranged or alienated from like a larger sense of community by the presence of capital by etc etc i think you can still tie a lot of those things back to the core like through line that we've identified here right uh but even on their own like I'm having a hard time. I guess what I'm building to is I'm having a hard time picking out the gift for this episode because there are a lot of just like good three to five second chunks yeah. of like that looks really, really Maybe interesting. Maybe when uh, David Byrne is on the highway and he does the fancy driving thing. With <laughs> I, that's literally one of them oh, that yeah. I wrote down because he's just like jerking it back and forth yeah. and left and right. It's so funny. God, he's so good. Um, and, and like I think that there's it's it sort of subverts expectations, right? Like I really like this idea that like usually when you do a a capital S capital T small town movie like this, you're saying something about community and it often ends up being a little bit like rote and a little bit like generalizing. Mm -hmm. And I really love that this movie is about exactly what you just said, Jason, which is like a hyper degeneralization, right? It's, it's this idea that like actually like every single person is a whole different ball game, right? Like it's, these are all people with conflicting histories and, and, ideas and perceptions that really Mm -hmm. don't hang together at all so like and i I, maybe that is the sort of like um anti-macro historical narrative that i see from this movie right is that like there it's really difficult to say anything about what people want and like what what is good and bad for people and what has been done to us because it produced so much more than just bad things or just good things. It produced like just unlimited weird things. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And that, that I think is why 
<clears throat> excuse me, the people like us demo scene where he's on a date with, with, with the pretty girl, with the cute woman. Um, where I think that is what makes that so impactful to me, that, that concept, because um, like she obviously has very different understandings of, uh, you know, what, how she perceives what he's giving her. Like he's right. treating her to as, you know, to waste time sort of thing on a date, treating her to an unfinished demo of a song. Um, and like, it's an upporting of genuine feeling for him, but to her, it takes the form of a sad song. She can't handle it. And the sadness actually distracts her from like what, and she said, I just, I just can't do this. Um, and that to me is like, we have now painted a picture of two people ostensibly looking for love and still within that same niche of two people in the very same spot in the same rural town who should be connected at least by community have very different ideas uh, and who are both like still looking for love. Apparently they have very different ideas of what that means. You know, it's even so, though it, it's, it's so it's, profoundly it's, sad, right? Like, I know it, it's, it's very, it really it's, is. It's pretty funny. Like you said, there's that yeah. quote where he loves sad songs because they make him want to lie on the floor. But like it is also – it's almost like winkingly sad. Like, huh, I'm going to pull your heartstrings with this one, right? Like it's it's quirky, but it's also deadeningly sad. Right. Well, and it's just such a good and characteristic example of sort of like we can talk about what that scene is, right? Like we can talk about like, oh, I see what this scene is doing. It's talking about how like – modernity has made it so difficult for us to connect and communicate with each other that we're really all talking past each other. And right. like, are we even saying anything to each other at all, et cetera, the et cetera. Yeah. But like, it feels like more than that. Right. And it feels yes. like it, there's so much more happening than that because David Byrne is not saying that's bad. Right. Like he's not saying that like, Oh, like, I mean, I think that he, he, there's enough here that he thinks that like a lot of the things that have been done to human beings, uh, to make society what it is today are and continue to be bad, right? Like he's obviously not like a fan of the corporation in this movie, but he is not like, he is not willing to come to the conclusion that like, that, that humanity is like doomed or that, um, that like all communication is now impossible. It's just something else now. It's just weird now. Um, and that's, yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm. I've said that a lot, but I, it really is like no, it's yeah. fascinating. There is a fun circular discussion going on here because, like, I keep bringing it back to Louis Fine, and it's like, well, the things I'm saying about Louis Fine also apply to like most of the rest of the movie. Like, the, the his is just a great case study in what the movie is saying largely. Like, I think David Byrne is like getting at that idea that the complicated feelings and implications that we that are wrapped up in the things we like have and show the world um you know both as people and as communities uh and how that real connection like seems um occasionally impossible when viewed that way in the case of like the the cute woman who like rejects his proposal because she views it as a negative it is just sadness as negative i guess like I couldn't stop once I, because I listened to people like us a bunch of like most of my bike ride was just listening to this album. Um, but like, we like, I think he's saying through that song and through the plot of Lewis Fine's character, like that, that you like, we don't want to judge the things that have been before. We don't want to focus on, like I was saying about, you know, the history of Texas, basically where it's like wrapped up. It's important to know, but it's not like a thing that, currently affects how we move forward and how we like relate to each other or maybe it shouldn't be or maybe it isn't you know he's again he's not making many judgments about it he's just placing it forward there 
we like the lyrics are we don't want freedom we don't want justice right. we just want somebody to, and we don't like i think what it's saying there's we don't want those signals of like social good all like we don't want those uh, we don't want the performance of like uh of societal progress we just like want to find we people like us again he's not generalizing to everybody but like I think David Burns, uh, you know, outlook on life, his his uh, observation of the world around him is that generally people just like they would like to be able to get to a, down to a genuine emotional connection. And the most genuine thing that John Goodman, that Louis Fine can do in that moment is sing a song uh, that he loves for her. And it still doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> and well, it's, and that, I mean, that's like, like the slapstick of it all. And that's that's the anti sort of like or the. Um, the interesting political message here, right, is that like I really do feel like that's you're right. Those lyrics are kind of like what this movie is saying is like, it, it's like a really good portrait of like why Americans are so disconnected from politics and from right. macro historical narratives. Um, and why, and like, again, it, it's like, it's not even judging that, right? Like I, this is a movie about rugged individualism in a lot of ways, but it's not saying that rugged individualism is necessarily evil. It's just saying right. that it, it is like a thing that has happened and that is happening. Um, exactly. yeah, it's, very interesting. I mean, like, really? it's, it can be frustrating sometimes, right? Because, like, especially somebody like me, I'm like, actually, I do very much want the justice, please. Like, that's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe more than somebody to love, actually. Like, I would really, really appreciate the justice. But, um, but like, and I, on some level, David Byrne probably feels that way, too. And he's probably frustrated. And he's probably trying to think, like, why is doesn't everybody feel that way? And, like, right. this is kind of the movie is his answer to that, right? And, like, there's something very moving about that i think so too yeah uh well wow we have just crossed the one hour mark on our actual discussion um dang we 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 really pulled i, I feel like our recent episodes have been like i don't know if it's we're at the crack of a whip if we're just drawing without looking but i think we're coming up with some really we're cooking some real stews these days and this is no exception i really loved where we went with this one um this is where i'll open up the junk drawer if there's any like one-off funny things any stuff that you thought was great to to mention I just got to know everybody's favorite song. Ooh. Uh, uh, I, I, the, the first one has been playing in my head, Wild Wild Life. Oh, yes. I don't know that what it's actually so called. That, 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 it's been playing in my head ever since I stopped watching and while I was still watching the movie. And I just the like the pe- everybody coming in and like lip syncing, you know, a couple lines at a time is just yeah. really like great i don't know that I, I i love that scene but I, I think before we started recording i said yeah a lot of good needle drops these um uh these talking heads they're they're sure going places but that's the <laughs> one that um stood you out have, for me the most this time you have avoided harry's ire by rather than saying the talking heads saying these talking heads you, you yes ooh, thank you there's some yeah. linguistic there's i'm linguistic just saying that the name there. of the band is talking heads they <laughs> heard a whole album about it right. it's uh, and um, and i enjoy the musical stylings of the fallout boys i should call that <laughs> panics at the disco um i i i've got to agree that wild wildlife is like just the, the earworm i mean people yeah. like us is also great but it's way more ballady it's not as up um but the one that always surprises me at how much i like it because the only thing i remember about it when i'm not watching the movie is that radiohead got their name from it is that song I pre- is radiohead. It called radiohead yeah um it's a great and, song and it, it's like it's wonderful and kind of, like it sounds really really good and it's like really well written and then once it's over i'm like that's the song that Radiohead's named after, and that's all I remember. About yeah, it. but I do. Um, I think in the moment, it's my favorite of the of the lot. Yeah, uh, I think my. I don't know. This is a weird one because it's like it's a strange song. Um, I really, really love the song that. Um, uh, what's that character's name? The uh, um, the guy who sings about Papa Legba. Yeah, 
Um, his name is his, Mr. His Tucker, is, the, and he is a voodoo practitioner, but like that I song believe, is, yeah. is so wild. And uh, I believe his I name really, is uh, Pops Staples. He is credited as on the soundtrack. My apologies. Right. Yeah. The actor, um, man. Yeah. That song's very good and very, very weird. Um, and I like it a lot. And I love mm-hmm. that. Like it's, it's the like build up to the big climax where like John Goodman is going to get on stage and like, you really feel the like, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, that's really good stuff. Um, city of dreams is amazing too. The credit song. Um, man. Yeah. They're such a good band. It Go figure out. this, this movie by a band about bands, not a bad band, not a bad music movie. I guess I should say honorable mention. For some reason, I was getting really into, I don't know if the song is called Dream Operator, but the song that, um, what's her name, was was singing during the fashion show, Kay Culver. Um, getting really into that. And I was, uh, I found myself joining in. You're the dream operator. Like, Fuck yeah. That was the most, uh, rules. the most Lynchian scene in a very Lynchian uh, movie yes. in a lot of ways. In, in, I, it took us this long. I was waiting to yeah. see how long it would take before, before someone used the term Lynchian, but you're totally right. They start doing like the uh, Arsenal gear thing where they just start shouting random phrases. Like, yeah, I, I don't even like just complete. I, I think so too. And all that shit from that scene. I love, I love how weird oh, that man, scene is. It's so good that just like the total breakdown of sort of like, um, like a logical through line at one yeah. point. Yeah. It, the costumes get stranger and stranger. Yep. It's what a good scene. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, only other thing I wanted to shout out really quick. Um, shout out to gas in Virgil, Texas, which was a dollar and three cents oh, per gallon. Son <laughs> of a bitch. Oh, well, no wonder David Byrne could do all that driving in that. Uh, what was it? Privately owned, not rented. Uh, Corvette. That's one of my (laughs) line at the very end of the movie where he's like, this is not a rental. It's privately owned. And then he just looks at it. So good. His, his, like, it's, it's probably a bigger discussion point, but I'm just going to squeeze it into this junk row that's getting so full already is like his, uh, I know that as, as a, as a musician, he started out in choir and the, and the choir director told me couldn't sing to, so to stop and sort of as, as retribution against that as to like rebel against that. He just like did music more and did it on his own and sort of established his own standards of quality and that very like punk <laughs> mindset stuff. Right. And I feel like his performance as an actor is precisely the same where like, yes. he's not, he's not acting very good, but no. <laughs> he's made very clear that he's not acting very good that he's like, I'm just telling you these things, man. Like I'm not acting anything. So I, I begin to focus more on like the medium Yes. And the message and that feeds into the message of like the way we communicate and the things that we focus on and sort of like what he notices about the world, which is just this, again, very circular thing of like he's he constantly dead deadpans the camera. And then in some scenes, we'll be entirely looking at like a three quarter angle away like, from the camera. It's such a it's the classic appeal of David Byrne. And like maybe this is not how other people feel. Maybe other people have, are more insightful, but like. My one of my favorite things about David Byrne is I honestly have no idea how much he is in on the bit, so to speak. Right? <laughs> it's just like, and because like it's so disarming and it's so like unbalancing because like there are so many moments of comedic timing in this movie that are like genius mm-hmm. and that have to be intentional. But then there are so many other moments that feel so awkward and so strange that it's like is David Byrne like really, really canny and good at like marketing himself in this way? Or is he really just a genuinely super weird guy? Right. Yeah. And like, right. I've, I've seen a lot, I've watched a ton of talking heads and I've like seen documentaries and I've heard people talk about him and like everybody seems to be coming to the opinion that they don't know. 
right? Yeah. Like everybody's <laughs> like, no, like he really genuinely is always like that. Yeah. Uh, or like, you know, or some other people that are mad, mad at him will be like, actually like he's a real like egomaniac and like mm-hmm, very mm-hmm. controlling. Um, but like, it's, it's perfect for a movie like this, I guess. Yeah. Either way, it really works for me in that he, if he is in on the bit, if he is like, like he is performing and knows he's performing, then like, man, what a good lifelong performance. But if he's not, it's like, I have a little bit more faith in the ability of somebody with that interesting and that unique and that like open a mindset to the world to be incredibly successful, both as an individual and part of a group, right? Like he stages his own musical productions. Now he uh, has like all sorts of charitable funds going and stuff. The ability of a person to organize and conduct themselves in that fashion, to work within the world he lives in and still have these really interesting things to say about it. That, that, that gives me a lot of hope actually. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's like, uh, if you're going to be a weird guy, you should also be a musical genius. Um, and then you'll be okay, probably. Uh, probably the least interesting framing, but I, it's going to bug me if I don't verbalize it. Not to shout out Seinfeld for the second time in an episode, but just like I can't help but feel – because the like when Jerry Seinfeld was making Seinfeld and he was racking up like acting nominations, like he was uh, – he's more or less on record being like, he's like, why are you nominating me? I'm not even that good of an actor. No, he's a terrible actor. I mean if you – Yeah, like – right. But he surrounds himself with like some of the best working actors sure. of the time. Yeah. You know, the Julia Louis-Dreyfuses and the Wayne Knights of the world. Right. And like, obviously they're all getting props as well. And that kind of feel, I mean, like, even if you don't know who David Byrne is and you watch true stories and you like, you, you see his face and hear his voice for the first time. And like you, you hear him deadpan and then you see him interact with somebody like John Goodman as, as Lewis fine or sit at the Culver's dinner table. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like it, it properly contextualizes or recontextualizes his shtick in a way that like um like adds appropriate like layers and and nuance um and so that's yeah i don't know again not to make this even more of a white dudes rock podcast episode (laughs) that this has been by shouting out seinfeld alongside talking heads and david lynch and stuff like that but um, do you guys think that john goodman and david Byrne are friends they have to be to be to me that they are good friends uh, i can because, i cannot let myself live thinking that they are not I mean, in touch the scenes where, yeah. where he and lewis are talking and like like david will just like smile at him and just like they're just, they're clearly having so i was just heart melting that uh, that, that their part or just before john goodman performs and there's like a can canning group of old ladies or something like that and he's like hey how about that group and he's just like i don't think they fit in my house and they just like start <laughs> laughing uproariously it's not even funny and they just said there's such a bro moment about it's it it's such a bro moment oh man. oh man just like absolute bro goals this movie joy just um, joy uh, we haven't uh, sorry not to like inevitably make this episode longer than the movie itself but i we haven't sh- uh, called out little freaks in a while you know done our due diligence to like build up to to this year's category um it is june um and i know we have some stellar candidates were there were there any viable little free candidates Hmm. in true stories i mean by a certain definition maybe lewis fine but i feel like he's too way too wholesome way too guided way too like the thing about lewis fine is that he would have absolutely taken king of the simps that is true. Uh, correct. That is true. Because he was simping over every single woman he met. Yeah, until he's it just went like wrong. he yeah. lives to simp. That's literally um, what his his whole like song is. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I want to be a simp so bad. Maybe, maybe right. Mr. Culver, but he's less of a freak and just kind of acts weird about business and capitalism. Yeah. You know, I mean, 
in, right. in some ways, David Byrne is like the literal king of the little freaks, mm. but he's not little. He's a pretty tall dude, pretty lanky. <laughs> Um, Did we ever define exactly what the, is a little like, uh, like an emotional or spiritual or motiv- motivational little, or is it like physical littleness? It's you just or, gotta you gotta know it when you see it. You know, it's okay. like does it does that person have little freak energy or do they have big freak energy? Right, like like John Goodman in this movie, not little freak. John Goodman, despite his stature in Ten Cloverfield Lane, definite little freak. Definite little freak. Um, yeah. So well, I, guess, I guess by the metric of like, do they stick out? Do you know them when you see them? Kind of thing. I don't know that right. I saw them. I think I ran my hand over the fine wood grain of this table and I found no freaky flaws. Uh, the dude who does vibes, who like takes people's noses and then reads their vibes or whatever, he was pretty freaky. Okay. Uh, the preacher, also the the conspiracy theorist preacher guy. That was a terrifying scene. That, yeah, man, he's that not was a scene. He's got way too much popular support for me to call him a little freak because little freaks have a certain amount of like derision, derangement, and separation from the world. But like everybody's cheering along with him. Maybe it's the lying woman. Is the lying woman there? Well, no, we just talked about how she's got some popular support too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that was sort of my, I mean, I kind of came in asking that question, realizing there probably wasn't going to be a clear cut candidate unless there's somebody I was explicitly forgetting about. But hey, it, even if if it's just by means of ruling out, you know, ones who don't fit the bill, I'm okay with us spending a few minutes covering that. Yeah, so, me too. No, this is podcast. Thanks, content. Jens. And kind not of every movie you would think. Yeah, this yeah. movie about weird people in a fake town must have a little freak, and then it's like, no, I mean, we don't have a clear winner. But not every movie needs a little freak. But every episode does need. The segment we're about to get into, which Harry is going to yes. uh, help intro for us. It is the segment called <gasps> Cody's, Cody's Noties. Wow. Thank you, gentlemen. I really felt the Southern comfort with that introduction. Uh, as we well, your consider. <laughs> Mind your P's and Q's. Uh, <laughs> as we consider the the quirky, mythologized histories of small town Americana, I figured it'd be worth taking an extra close look through a particular exercise and I'll pause here because listening back to episodes, uh, at least one episode that I wasn't on and there was speculation about, you know, if Cody was here, what would the Nodi segment be called? I'd need to know from you two did in your head, did you come in with any preconceived like thoughts, predictions for what this segment was going to be called before I reveal the name? You mean today's segment? Yes. Um, I I thought maybe you would like give me tall tales from Hollywood and say, what of these are true, st- like untrue stories mm-hmm. like that. I, I don't mm-hmm. have a great name for it, but the broad concept okay. was like, I'm going to give you three Hollywood like fairy tales and you got to tell me which two are fake or whatever. Gotcha. Harry. Oh, um, yeah, I don't know. I maybe true noties or something. And you were going to like, Ooh. I like, quotes from us in old episodes that oh my are god true. that would be pretty cool <laughs> um or like uh definitely ask us how tall john goodman is because it's brought up multiple times here <laughs> we did that um, last week and uh or like you know how tall how big are david burns feet or something like that <laughs> this has never been a foot fetish podcast um yeah. i the reason i the reason i asked is be, oh, thank you for that um that was the segment no um i asked because this week was probably at least naming convention wise this was probably the lowest hanging fruit that i've had uh in a, in a while um and as i take a bite i will read off the name of this exercise which is called try stories 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so here, here's what I've done. I have combed a uh, actually a very handy database that um, I can provide to you, Jason, for the show notes. But it's basically it's an aggregator that redirects. It's like a, a shitload of links. It redirects users to a wide variety of web-based news publications for a bunch of cities in in Texas. And I pulled some recent headlines that stood out to me for one reason or another. Um, again, trying to, to capture the magic that is um, uh, towns in Texas, some of them small towns, some of them, you know, not so small, um, but they, uh, but all existing here in the year of our Lord 2022. Uh, what I'm going to do is alternate between the two of you and one at a time, I will read uh, a headline, one of the headlines that I found, and you'll make the determination of if it is a real headline or not. Um, is it a true story um, or a try story in this case? If you're correct, you'll get a point and the person with the most points at the end will win. As always, Trivia Mafia rules apply here. So use your noodles, not your Googles. With that, let's go ahead and jump in and I will start with Harry. So Harry, here is the first headline. Is this a a try story or or not just whatever just make it clear which direction you you go so here's the headline district's first superintendent celebrates 100th birthday is that a real headline is that a a try story or nay is it not i think i'll go go with true why not that's that sounds good Harry's going to go with true. Um, it is not though. I, I'm sure. I'm sure uh, a district's first superintendent did celebrate own hundredth birthday at some point. But um, hey, as far as as far as these uh, these 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 wild wild times we're currently in, that uh, that did not come to pass. Um, shout out to old people. Keep doing your thing. Number two, uh, um, uh, when I don't have an easy way to transition or get out of a, a sentence, you just say I'll, "keep I'll just doing say some your thing." Shit. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. Hey, I don't know. Keep keep chugging along. <laughs> Make way for the old train. Choo choo. Jason, your first headline is as follows: Trustees approve seven point seven percent pay hike for teachers. Is that a, a, a try headline, a, a, a try story or not? I hope it's a tried and true headline because I wrote so many like that when I was a journalist in small town, Michigan. Yes, I'm going to call okay. it try true. Gotcha. Okay, so we're going with true. And it, it is indeed the case, yes. courtesy of uh, the Fredericksburg Standard. Uh, they posted that, um, that headline and uh, shout out to teachers who do not get paid enough there yeah, was, that's why um, i was seven. gonna say it wasn't true because i was like oh right. teachers getting paid more wow right. that could never happen <laughs> yeah 7.7 yeah. percent increase is a start it's a nice start um fredericksburg um hopefully Little that becomes know. more than the standard she's already getting paid six hundred and seventy thousand dollars a year how do you feel now harry I I feel good that the teachers are earning what they deserve jason thank she's you for paying, having me. she's paying nothing in taxes every year how do you feel even better <laughs> All right. She said, a teacher of Catholicism. <laughs> oh, my oh, that, Harry. <laughs> we found it. Uh, um, moving right along. Uh, so each of you, I should say, will get five headlines. Harry, this is your second. Um, try or not try. Um, <laughs> having fun with words. So here's the headline. Rhubarb recall shakes up picnic weekend. Oh, man, it has to be. It has I to love be that true. One. It's alliterative. It is uh, alliterative, and it is a Cody special. It is unfortunately not a true headline. (laughs) Wait, are you are you uh, manufacturing these fake ones entirely? Yes. Fuck yes! That's amazing. Well done. Yeah, well done. Um, Could you read that for us again? 
Yes, <clears throat> I'll, get, I'll give a, a clean read. Rhubarb Recall shakes up picnic weekend. That's so good. Yeah, it's very good. Thanks. So yeah, that's um yeah another lens through which you can um think and overthink and try to gamify this game, which I guess it makes sense <laughs> too because it's a game. Um, but also I don't. It, but it's it's fun. You know what? Shout keep out on to doing. Fun. Keep on doing. What <laughs> keep on doing. doing. <laughs> keep chugging along. All aboard the fun train. Choo choo. Um. Oh mercy, Lord. Uh, Jason, your second headline is as follows: Wanted man tased during Walgreens run. Is that a true headline or no? Um, based on journalistic standards, I'm going to say no. Run, like trip or visit, would probably be the word they choose. So I'm going to say it's a it's a Cody special. All right. Jason is going with a Cody special. Um, and it sounds like Jason is going to have words for the Beaumont Examiner who did post that headline. Oh. Uh, as written, wait, wa- uh, wanted man tased during Walgreens run. Hmm. Um, must have been a like I don't know. Must have been a gutter piece yeah. or something. They didn't have space for the whole headline. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why he was. I don't know why somebody was running through Walgreens. I usually sport uh, a calm jaunt. Well, because he was wanted. Uh, how how often are you wanted in Walgreens? I am never it sound wanted. Like he's, he as was raiding Walgreens at the time, like a Walgreens <laughs> run. It sounds like he's playing a roguelike or something. <laughs> he got to the oh, shoes what? aisle before they tased him and right. sent him back to the start. <laughs> yeah, they had to do it again. Him with back to the automatic doors. <laughs> okay, I said gamify, not video gamify. Let's oh. uh, let's reload. Tee negative points. No, I would never. <laughs> um, uh, or would I? No, I wouldn't. Uh, Harry, your third headline reads as follows. Historian provides realistic look of Dude Ranch era. Is that a real headline or nah? Now I'm really in my head. Yeah. I want to say that this one seems like it would be fake and constructed by Cody, which is why I'm going to say it's real. Okay. Harry is going with real, and it is a real headline uh, from, the Braza, from uh, courtesy of Brazosport Facts. Um, the facts.com is Brazo the domain Sports for that, which is kind of which is kind of wild. Yeah, I mean, it's misleading because it's not a sports publication. Um, and uh, I've, I've got some words for them, um, but no, I don't because I don't know anything and they can do what they want. But um, hey, cool headline from them. It got Harry a point. Uh, the score is currently uh, we're at 1-1 one, one, and Harry has had three headlines. Jason has had two. So we should probably get him caught up here. Here's the, the third headline for Jason. And it reads as follows. Buyer beware, local mall coyote causes stir. Is that a, a, a real one or a fake one? I want it to be real, but honestly, we've had a string of real ones, and I feel like I feel like you're too focused on statistics to let there be four real ones in a row. Um, so I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go fake. I'm gonna go another Cody right. special on that one. Jason is going fake. Uh, it is indeed a fake headline. We've done four in a row in previous games. I know, but, I know. I've got to rationalize something. But, I need some sense of yeah. order. I know, I know, I know. I just, I, yeah. Hey, yeah, you got you to gotta, <laughs> you gotta pick a, a narrative and stick with it and use it to define your existence, much like that teacher of Catholicism who was making $670,000 a year and got a 7.7% salary increase. Harry, yeah. is that okay with you, Harry? Supporting the 0.1% up there. Um, Cody, can you tell me uh, whose game it still is at this point? 
Uh, funny you should mention that. So, uh, uh, just to make sure everybody's on the same page, uh, you fellas and anybody who might be listening to this in the future, uh, we are currently 60% of the way through the game. Uh, each of the fellas has had three headlines. Uh, Harry has made one correct, uh, determination. Jason has made two correct determinations. It's still very much anybody's game. Yes, he um, said it. Trying to shake it up a little bit. Uh, yeah, so so two uh, a piece left. Uh, so each of each of you has, has two remaining headlines. Harry, here is your next one. How to spruce up your summer garden? Is that a real one or a fake one? <laughs> oh, that's the kind of thing that it's got to be. It's sounds so real that it's got to be fake. So I'm going to go with fake. Also, when you said that you sounded like Benicio Del Toro in that one scene where he goes, don't tell anybody. Yeah. Before I get, before I give the, the correctness of the answer. Yeah. The, the, I think about that tweet like <laughs> all the time. Weekly. The it's like, like, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to give a reading. Like I'm a, I'm a big scary monster. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> don't tell anybody <laughs> don't tell anybody um if we can find the tweet we should link it yeah, in the show yeah, notes. Definitely. That, is, that is my, my casual shout out um and that that is correct it is a that one's a um a fabricated headline um spruce up your summer garden i was um i was relatively pleased with that um but no publication is clever enough to to put that to print shout out to them they are on blast get good publications (laughs) uh jason your next headline reads as follows new librarian has big plans for local library a realsies or fakesies Hmm. I dislike the repeating of library and librarian, but the last time I applied that filter, um, I got fucked by the, what was it? The something Chronicle, the guardian, whatever it was. Um, so I'm going to say it is a real headline. Jason is going with real headline. Uh, and it is, uh, shout out to, I'm, you know, I'm just, this is a shout out heavy segment. Shout outs to the, the new Quero librarian and shout outs to the Quero record for, uh, letting everybody know, Hey, just, you know, this librarian, uh, is a, is a mover and or shaker and we should be on, on the look. Congrats on the new gig. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Come on the pod Uh, librarian. Yeah. Come on the pod, uh, new librarian. Um, librarian common new. I think that might be their legal name. Uh, we are getting, uh, into the thick of it. Into the thick of it. Remember that TikTok thing? I yeah. do. I do uh, yeah. Each, each of the fellas has, has one more headline to go. Harry's at two points. Jason is at three. Um, still anybody's game. Don't tell anybody, etc. Um, Harry, here is your last headline of the day. Clever ways to find more time for reading. Is that a a try story or a not try story? I'll go with true. All right, Harry's going with true, and this just again to reiterate the stakes. This is to keep the pressure on Jason 
for a uh, for if Harry gets it correct, it will put him in a share of the lead. I'm ready, and it is indeed a tri story, courtesy of the Rockdale Reporter. Um, I did not open the article to to see what hard hitting reporting led them to find uh, different ways to like make reading part of um, their, their daily itineraries, but I have no doubt that they are clever ways, um, and I am cleverly maneuvering this this game in the clever way that I do it as I prepare to read Jason's final headline, the final headline of the game. Uh, it is currently tied three, three. If Jason gets this right, he will maintain sole possession of the lead. Uh, if he gets it wrong, he and Harry will split the trophy in half. No. And, and the trophy is indeed a live animal. Um, so where's Abel? I didn't notice he wasn't in my bedroom anymore. Where did you put him? (laughs) Jason, I want to play a game. Um, <laughs> don't uh, tell anybody. I, I, I don't, why did I just Oh, yeah, because I, I asked you last night if you had seen Saw. And that's I why. I yeah, saw I, Saw. I, yeah. <laughs> you haven't seen Saw since I asked you last night? I didn't saw Saw, no. Um, well, I am currently sawing. Uh, I, I cur- I'm, I'm, I'm sawing. I saw, I saw right now Keep the on. headline Choo-choo. in my notes. <laughs> Choo-choo! <laughs> All aboard the saw train. I, I need a nap. Uh, here's the last headline. Fact check. Green New Deal not to blame for high energy costs. Oh, Is that man. a tri-story or a not tri-story, Jason? In a red state, talking about the Green New Deal. I'm putting it all on false. I think that's a Cody Special. It is so in in Jason's mind. It is uh, a Cody Especial. The headline again: Fact check. Green New Deal not to blame for high energy costs, and that is indeed a try story. Uh, uh, I should I shouldn't have used the word indeed because it does not match up with what Jason guessed. That is unfortunately um, is the word yeah, you were looking a, for. <laughs> a, a a small a small glimmer of hope in that um, one humble publication, the Austin American Statesman. Uh, um, poking some holes in uh, in some weird founded uh, modern day Texan ideology, which gets us to a little bit of a bonus round. I couldn't find another place to to fit this in, but I, I wanted to throw it out there. The Vernon Record has a poll up on their website, and the question reads: Do we need a wall on the Texas border? And the three answers are yes, no, and maybe more research is uh, maybe comma more research is needed. And my question for you all, um, and I guess this could function as a tiebreaker. I, I, you know, no animals need to be cut in half today. Uh, We'll save that for later. Um, Abel, you are safe for the time being. Um, It wasn't Abel. He's fine. But uh, scores tied three, three, whoever gets closest to, to this, uh, what I, I should just read this as of earlier today, what percentage of voters voted for yes in that question of do we need a wall on the Texas border? We'll go for a percentage guess. Whoever's closest will get an additional point. They will be crowned sole winner. Harry, what uh, what are you thinking for this? I'm going to go with uh, 33%. All right. So 33% say yes, we need a wall on the Texas border. And these are uh, Vernon record readers slash website visitors um so 33 percent. i got you locked in jason what's your guess god i wish i knew where vernon was because i think closer to the border they get more racist because they feel like they have to be uh and then further toward the metropolitan areas they might have more liberal views so they might get more of that uh yes but more research um harry went 33 i'm gonna go 42 percent 
All right, Jason is going 42. Um, of the 1,600 voters who had voted as of, oh, a couple hours ago, uh, on this, the day of our Lord, redacted. So I don't, you, I don't feel like pulling the curtain back. Yeah, nice try, listeners, trying to learn about our proceedings. Uh, the per- percentage who voted yes, 61%. Uh, 34%, 34% voted no and 5% voted, eh, I don't know, maybe I need a little more information because I'm an idiot. Um, uh, so a lot of idiots actually in that poll, but, uh, one or actually, you know, a handful of fellas here who are less idiots than those idiots. Um, because Hey, these two guys, they got a bunch of points. Jason came out on top. He got that bonus point. So with the final score four, three, he maintains uh sole possession of the lead. He is the sole victor of, of this little segment. These have been try stories. These have been try stories. Well, Thank you, Cody. For I can't believe that response. I lost because I overestimated Texas of all places. Vernon, yeah. get your shit together. What the uh, fuck? And, and I'm looking at it on a map. You know how Vernon has that big square chunk at its top? Vernon is like on the bottom right corner of that square chunk. It's way north in the state, and they're still Jesus. still hovering at that stu- – God. Uh, well, awful. I guess – you know, Awful one state, good, awful one country. Good, David Byrne, wrong about Texas, wrong about humanity. If you listen to former Trilove and Stoop, Stoop, Trilove guest and Stoop Kids co-host Emily Suey about it, Texas can be a pretty cool place. So I'm looking for her to explain to me or show me what that means because I've never been – I've never, apparently this is not, this is not engendering uh, faith in it, but I'm not going to shit all over Texas. Virgil seems like a pretty cool place anyway. Uh, Thank you very much, Cody, for ending our episodes always on a wonderfully upbeat note, making us feel a little bit better about the world around us. Uh, This has been our episode about true stories. Um, Check out the movie. I don't know if it's streaming in any good quality anywhere, but Criterion has has an edition of it. Uh, Find it wherever you can find it. It is a really fun, really singular movie. I don't think I've seen anything quite like it before, but it's not going to throw you off too much. You'll have fun. Uh, and hey, then come back and listen to this because I don't know why you're listening to this if you've never seen it before. I'd never consider these things before I start talking, but you can find our podcast. This is Trilove on Twitter at Trilove Podcast. We don't have any other real web presence except our individual profiles, which you can find linked from there. Um, you can find the Triline at Triline Cinema and Triline.org. Stay tuned to that website for some cool stuff coming in coming months. Um, and you can find them also on Twitter and Instagram at Trilove trilon cinema sorry it's just one and the same to me now uh my name is jason daphnis i help make this show and you can find me on twitter at nintendoofus yes you can um you know it's nice uh revisiting revisiting this movie uh because it's a great movie and also revisiting it um from the perspective that we get to be mindful of things like uh a community and the 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 people who are within uh, our own respective communities doing good work um, and also, you know, keeping in mind those who are maybe not doing the best of work, which is why, uh, in honor of that sentiment, I am wearing this great new shirt that I got the other day in the mail, and it's just uh, a purple long sleeve shirt. I'm describing it because this is, you know, a, an audio-based medium and y'all can't see me right now, but it's a shirt uh, that says, Jacob Fry is a punk-ass bitch. And right now I'm particularly happy to be alive. Um, and man, uh, I, 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 right now I am happy to be alive. And that is a true story. I've been Cody Narvison. <laughs> I should have given you more runway. I should have saw that coming. Uh, I've been Cody Narvison. You can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. Hey, yeah. Um, fuck ice. Um, oppose any sort of immigration control. Uh, the ability to borders are all a lie. They are all, 
maintained through violence. I, I changed my answer. We do need a wall so that we can make sure that the ice agents don't run away when we put them up against it put to them shoot up them. up against it, sure. Uh, Planned Parenthood is suspending abortions in Wisconsin following that Supreme Court decision. Um, so anything that anybody listening can do to support women's rights uh, to abortion and birth control should do so. Um, this country is a fucking toilet. Um, and I've been Harry Mack, and you can find me on Twitter at Chitaki Harry. And I'm going to counter that sentiment with a bad impression. So here we go. <clears throat> Hello, I'm Lewis Fine, and I'm looking for matrimony with a capital M. I believe in the joys and contentment of matrimony. Now, my chances in this world that prints a new diet book every month may not be that good. I'm looking for someone who can accept me for what I am. I'm six foot three inches tall and maintain a very consistent panda bear shape. I'm pleased with the way God made me. I wouldn't change a thing. I'm willing to share. Won't you please call this number? 844-WIFE. That's 844-WIFE. Please call. Serious inquiries only. Like a light coming down from above The clouds roll by and the moon comes up How long must we live in the heat of the sun? Millions of people are waiting on There's a song about people like us People like us Who will answer the Someone to love